So chapter 3, I mean, the harvest is over. Naomi has said, we need a long-term solution to this. I've got to find, I've got to find a husband for you, Ruth. Naomi comes up with this plan. The plan is executed perfectly. Everything looks great, but there's a complication. There's a closer relative who could be the guardian redeemer. Now, I don't know about you, but when I study, started studying this, I don't, I don't remember that part of the story when I was a kid. You know, in, in Sunday school, you get the very streamlined version of things. I mean, even, even vast time periods, you don't grasp those as a kid. The people went to Egypt, they were enslaved, but they prayed and God sent Moses. Yeah, 400 years later. We're in the microwave solutions. In fact, we yell at our microwaves because they're too slow. I still remember when I got my first computer, we ran our whole church off of that computer. And I called my wife and I go, look, I entered everybody's names and I only type with two fingers. So that was a loving exercise. And I, and I put in their addresses and I built this Excel document and I go, watch this. I'm now going to alphabetize it by last name. And I hit that and this little timer comes up. Some of you remember this time, and it was like in under two minutes, it alphabetized 150 names. Can you imagine if it took two minutes now? You'd be banging on the computer. We like, we like everything instant, but some of God's best work takes time. So this complication, and, and I'm, I'm squarely on Team Boaz. It's like, I don't know who this other relative is, but he better not mess this up, because I like this guy, Boaz. And so as I, I love to read stuff like I've never read it before. I love to, I, th I think before you can teach the scriptures, not only do you have to be a student, but just read the scriptures. Imagine yourself as different characters each time you read through it. And I'm, I'm like, what is going through Boaz's head? He's been, he's gotta be going, okay, this is the right thing to do. I've got to give this other person, he's a closer relative, but man, I'm hoping he says no. And I joined Boaz in that. Let's see what's going to happen. Ruth 4, verse 1 says this. Meanwhile, so Ruth has come back to Naomi and goes, Naomi, you just have to wait. But if I know Boaz, you're not going to have to wait long. I'll bet he gets this taken care of by the end of the day. That's Boaz. He's a man of action. Meanwhile, Boaz could be right at the same time. Went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Just as. One of those other coincidences. Happens all through the book. The town gate is not just the entrance to the city. It's um, the place where government decisions are made. It's a place of commerce. It's like if in your town, if your city hall and your mall had a baby, it would be the town gate. That's where all the action takes place. And the other guardian redeemer, this other relative comes by. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. He's so warm, he's so friendly. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. The fact that all he had to do was say, sit here, and they did so. They didn't go, you know what? A week from Tuesday is our regular council meeting. The agenda for this meeting's already set, but you can maybe get on the agenda for a month from Tuesday. 
Now, this reinforces the fact that he is a person of influence there in Bethlehem. Well, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am the next in line. And what does the guy say? I'll do it. I'll do it. Boaz gives the closer relative the opportunity to purchase Naomi's property, and he goes, I'll do it. Now what does this do? It keeps the property in the family line of Elimelech. And remember, that's a big thing because part of the covenant, clear back to Father Abraham, is I'm going to give you a land. And land really signifies God's blessing. It's an idea of belonging. But that's only half of the promise. There's also going to be this family line. We'll see that come into the conversation in a minute. When, when I read this, if I didn't know the end of the story, I'm going to go, no. That's not the guy who was gracious to Ruth. That's not the guy who said, don't mess with her and protected her. That's not the guy who said, let her even glean you know, among the sheaves of the wheat. In fact, pull some stocks out and drop those on the ground for her. He's gone the extra mile with his generosity. I am... 100% Team Boaz. And this, you know, this Jonah come lately guy or whoever he is here, um, it's like, where did, why is he even in the story? Boaz is smooth. Boaz is smooth. Like if he were doing fundraising, he, he would do a parody. <laughs> he, he's, he's smooth. So smooth. I asked Daniel's wife, I go, does he ever make you nervous? And she's like, oh, yes especially when he's not on a script. And I go, you and my wife could have the best support group. <laughs> Ellen always goes, I'm praying you'll develop a filter. And I go, oh, I actually have a really tight filter. You should hear the 90% of stuff that doesn't come out of my mouth, or you shouldn't hear that 90%. So I, I Daniel, you and I, are, you and I are like that. Then Boaz said, oh, oh, by, by the way, do you remember Columbo, that TV show? He'd be interrogating somebody, and it wasn't going very far. And he'd go, well, thanks very much for your information. And he'd kind of shuffle off, and he'd always stop by the door. He goes, just, just, just one more thing. And it would be what broke the case wide open. Boaz must have watched those episodes is all I can figure. He says, by the way, I, I, I forgot to mention on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow. But wait, there's more. Order my midnight tonight, you not only get the land, you get the widow. <laughs> In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so it's not just the property stays in the family, it's the family line is perpetuated. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Oh, well now that's different. Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. 
You redeem it yourself. I, I, I can't do it. Now, we don't get the details in here. This will be one of those things I want to know in heaven. Why did he say, I can't do it? You know, was he like, you don't know my wife? I mean, my wife, my wife always says, even in kindergarten, they marked me down because I wasn't good at sharing, okay? So don't you ever think I would be good at it now as a wife. Do we have an understanding, okay? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he doesn't have the financial resources that Boaz has. Who, who knows? But he goes, oh, if we're talking about another relationship, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. He had first right of refusal. He had the first opportunity, and he says, I, I have to pass on this. I, he changes his mind. You know, it's easy to read this through our cultural lens. How else would we read it, right? I mean, we live now. We do things a certain way. And it's, it's especially to, to my daughter and her friends, they, they would be really troubled by this passage. They are troubled by this passage. It's like she's just lumped in like another piece of property. It's easy for us to interpret it that way, but you've got to go back. You've got to look at what was going on. There was, no, there was no structure in society. And so this is it's the opposite of demeaning. It's the opposite of, of making a woman seem like she has no rights. It is, in fact, protecting her rights. Even in Africa today, there's laws on the books that talk about what happens if a man dies, the property does go to his wife, but in a lot of tribal settings, that's just not enforced. The guy's brothers, they just take and divide up the land. Sometimes, sometimes that woman doesn't even get to see her kids again. An international justice mission and other groups are going, you've got the laws on the books, please enforce them. And they represent women like that. And this system, is the opposite of demeaning to women. It's actually very liberating and, and protective of them. So try to take our cultural lenses off and read this for what it was actually back in the time. Customs, cultures change over time. We gotta try to get back into what was this like at the time. You want a good example of customs and cultures changing, it, it's, it's in the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the parentheses. Now, in earlier times in Israel, this is my little granddaughter, Ava, who's four. I, I love, she says this, you'll hear it about once a day if you're with her. She'll, she'll go, Pops, I'm Pops, and my wife is Nanabel. Um, she said Pops before she said Nanabel. Now, there was the exciting moment when she finally said, Nana, 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 and my wife didn't want to just be Nana because her mom was Nana. But she's like, oh, she said Nana. And Philip walks by and goes, okay, I'm not going to wreck this special moment. But if you'll notice, there is like a whole, whole bunch of bananas on the counter right behind mom. And that just might be my daughter's favorite food, but I'm not talking if you're not talking. And it's, a, she said my name, sort of. Um, Ellen had her at the grocery store the next day and they went down the fruit aisle and she found out the truth. It was crushing blow. But, but Ava, Ava frequently will go, when I was whittle, and then she'll tell you some story. And when I was whittle can be like last Tuesday, something happened. In earlier times, when I was whittle, 
for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. Now, I was going to borrow a sandal and act that out, and then I found out that we're doing this in the dining hall, and it just kind of didn't seem like it had the magic I had pictured it to have. Isn't that weird? Evidently, this was every bit as binding as any written contract is today. We say, let's shake on it. We like our paperwork. They went, here's my sandal. And I wonder, like, real, there's some real estate developers here. Did you have a whole file and go, uh, do you want letter size or legal size sandal? You know, how, how, how big do you want this to be? Do you, do you file them away? By, I don't know. Did you, you know. Did you order like 100 pair on Amazon if you had big plans for something? I don't know how this worked. But evidently they didn't do that anymore by the time this was written, probably by Samuel. But he's explaining this. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Very strange through our eyes, but that's how they rolled. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. That is just really something. Land, not just for wealth accumulation, but it's God's original covenant with Abraham. That same covenant included the promise of family, and so all of that in this one deal is all being secured. God had said to Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to bless you with a child. You remember the story? Sarah laughs when she hears this because she's past childbearing age. They decide we better help God out. And Abraham has relations with Hagar and has relations with Hagar. Ishmael is born. Those two brothers, their descendants, still conflict. It's a really scary thing when we go, well, God's way up there and he may not know how practically things work down here, so we better help God out. My friends, there are churches dying all over America because they're trying to do God's work people's way. When God says, I've got a plan, he means he has a plan. And here you see some of the fulfillment of that. We're told that ultimately a powerful nation will come from that family line, but God's plan was never that Israel would be his pet people, they're to be his pattern people, to show other people what a relationship with God looks like. And ultimately, through one of the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, the promised Messiah, the Deliverer, will be born. But now we're getting ahead of ourselves by a long shot. Then Boaz announced to the elders, verse 9, and all the people, today you are witnesses. Today you are witnesses. They, that's why he had the ten other influencers sit down there. You are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I have also acquired, verse 10, Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among the, his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Second time. The private agreement, now there's a public announcement about it. It's so interesting that witnesses played an important role. The next time you go to a wedding, please think about your role there as a witness. 
You're not just there to go, well, you know, I thought the, I thought the cake was good. It was a little overly sweet. Um, I mean, I don't, my wife loves wedding cake. I'm like, uh, let's stop for dessert on the way home. I'm not a big fan of wedding cake. And, and, you know, well, what did you think of the shade of the bridesmaids' dresses? And I go, like they were red, right? And she'll go, they weren't red, they were burgundy. I, a lot of us guys, we don't do refined colors. I, I, I found that out. This has nothing to do with this course. I found that out one year when Ellen took the kids to the beach with her folks, and she says, hey, um, you know, the guy who's helping paint the house, he just needs to know the paint color. And I go, well, what color did you give him? And she goes, just, just, just go pick it out. She goes, I, I want it to be taupe. I don't know what taupe is. She kind of described and I went, okay. And I learned that it makes a great difference which direction you're coming at the paint samples with from, you know, one end or the other. And we had kind of orangish bricks. And, and I came home from work one day and Tom had purchased the paint and I was going to help him. And he wanted to surprise me and he surprised me. Because I don't know what taupe is, but it's not as pink as was on our house. And the orange bricks are screaming, saying, we were here first. What are you doing here? And I called my wife, and I said, honey, I have sinned against you. And she's like, I'm sure it's not that bad. Relax. It'll be fine. And I go, no. And she goes, how pink is it? Is it Pepto-Bismol? And I go, no, it is not Pepto-Bismol. I'm sure it's fine. I go, Ellen, like three women have stopped by our house wanting to buy cosmetics today. And... Um, yeah. So my buddy Tom, who was helping me, he goes, look, he goes, if you'll just pay for the new paint, he goes, I'll, I won't charge you for the extra labor. We can do this together. And by the time Ellen went back, she goes, there's nothing wrong with that color. And I went, yeah, you're right. Round two. Um, what am I talking about? <laughs> the next time you're at a wedding. Wow. Wow. You're there to do more than taste the cake, to discuss the colors of the bridesmaids' dresses. You are there as a witness, okay? It's not just to say, yeah, I was there, I saw, I saw you got married. It, it was a beautiful day in April, I remember it. You are there as a witness, which means when that struggle, when that couple has their inevitable struggles, you have a responsibility as a witness to go, hey, you got to make your own decisions, and I know, I know sometimes things don't work out, but I heard you make promises to each other and to God. And I just want you to know, Ellen and I have had some really hard times in our marriage, too, through the years. If there's anything we can do to help or encourage you, before you call it quits, you know, I, I know some good counselors I could hook you up with. Just make sure you've done everything you can. Sometimes a marriage can't be saved, okay? And you may be on your second or third marriage. You are not a second-class citizen at Gold Lake because God is big on second chances and new beginnings. Understand that. But as witnesses, we're there for a purpose. Then the elders, verse 11, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. Third time that word has been used. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. What do you know about Rachel and Leah? They had a bunch of kids who together built up the family of Israel. May you have Stanny and Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. 
Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Also a story that didn't make the cut in sixth grade Sunday school class. That is one messed up story that does not carry a G rating. You will never see that one on Veggie Tales. <laughs> the witnesses bless Boaz, Ruth, and their descendants. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Who are they talking about? At first glance, I'd think they're talking about Boaz. But then you read a little more, I think it's talking about the child who she now has, who replaces her two sons. It says, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. There's your answer. It's talking about the offspring of this relationship. The women worship God and celebrate the restoration of Naomi. You can imagine her close friends walk by and go, hey, Mara, you enjoying the reception? And she goes, you don't have to call me Mara anymore. Naomi will do just fine. I went out full. I came back empty. God has filled me back up. There's complete restoration. This is such, such a beautiful story. Naomi took the child in her arms, verse 16, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. Now this is not some out-of-control mother-in-law trying to steal her daughter-in-law's moment. But the women in the village, they've known Naomi for years, right? They've seen the devastation. They've seen her grief. And now they see the joy return to her life. Naomi has a son. No, she doesn't. She has a grandson. But look at her holding that baby. She still grieves her husband. I'm sure she still grieves the death of her sons. Don't be one of those people that hears someone has a death of a child and don't say, at least you've got another child. Don't say that. But wow, look at this. The baby really belonged to Ruth, but that baby is a source of joy to Naomi as well. At this point, the plot of the book is done. There are some verses left, and there are genealogy. And I know what you do with the genealogy, because sometimes I do too. You got your Bible open, and then it's like, wow, look what's coming up next. And you turn the ceiling fan on a couple extra notches, and you go to get some coffee, and if it happens to blow a couple pages by, God's sovereign over all things, even in the breezes on my porch. But there's something in here you need to see, so don't miss it. This is straight-up genealogy. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab. Isn't this a blessing so far? Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. 
and Salmon, the father of Boaz. Up to that point, it's everything that happened before Boaz, right? Because it ends with Boaz. What comes after that is in the story of Ruth is future, but by the time Samuel or whoever wrote it, we know more about this. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Well, now Boaz had a child named Obed. What a strange name. Who'd Boaz have that child with? Ruth. The Moabite. Ruth, the immigrant. Ruth, the foreigner. Ruth, not really from around here. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Which David? Yeah, that David. The shepherd boy who became a king. In fact, the greatest king Israel ever had. How cool is it that God used a foreigner, an immigrant, in the family line to result in the birth of the greatest king Israel ever had? So this is not just a family story being played out. This is on a national level as well. This is happening. Boaz and Ruth were the great-grandparents of King David. Whoa. But wait, there's more. We know, as the writer did not, that they were also in the line of Jesus Christ the King of Kings, the promised Messiah, because he came from the line of David. That's amazing. In fact, if you read the genealogy of Jesus, a friend of mine, Mark Bailey, I don't know if you've ever had Mark here or not, you ought to get him here. He's one of my favorite Bible teachers. He's like seminary president, um, like, like scholar, but he has killer people skills and is a great pastor too. If you ever have a chance to hear him. I heard a, I heard a message he preached one Christmas on the genealogies. And I'm like, I'm like, oh Mark, only you would preach on the genealogy for Christmas Sunday. And he goes, hi, I'm Jesus. And I'm from a highly dysfunctional family. And we've all got like weird Uncle Harold I mean, my dad was an only child. That was easy. My mom was one of nine. There were brothers and sisters and relatives of my mom that, that she didn't let near Ellen till like we'd been married five years. They were, they were kept a secret. The genealogy of Jesus doesn't just let the messy people in the story. Sometimes it even jogs to include some of those people. So when we pray to the Lord and Jesus is our intercessor and we go, I got this problem and that problem and that problem, very compassionately, I think Jesus goes, seriously, is that all you got? I, 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 I can deal with that. I can help you with that. It's just so fascinating. The greatest king Israel ever had and ultimately the Messiah, Jesus Christ who, by the way, is the ultimate kinsman or guardian redeemer, right? 
Remember those verses we looked at last night in Ephesians? You were far off, you were aliens, you were foreigners, but through Jesus you have been brought close, you've been grafted into the family. Jesus, the ultimate guardian redeemer. Even today, God is still grafting people into his family. You have done that this week with me on a very short-term, non-committal basis, I understand. It's not legally binding, but wow, did it meet a need in my life this week. I mean that very sincerely. He uses failures, disasters, foreigners, loss, setbacks, scandals, brokenness, and more. This is how he brings his people home. This is how... If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you got talked into coming here to Gull Lake, and you've logged more hours in church in the past five days than your normal annual total, because Grandma said, you need to be there. I'm not getting any younger, and I'm buying. And so you're here. I invited you last night to open your heart to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that offer, as long as you're still living, is still open. That's the message of this book. God invites each of us to enter his forever family through putting our faith and trust in Jesus' death on Calvary's cross in our place. After we know him, that's our mission. That's why Walk Through the Bible exists. My friends, that's why Gull Lake exists. Why, why has God continued to bless Gull Lake? I haven't been involved for that long, but I'm telling you, this place is still 100% on mission. They have not wavered. They have not compromised. They still know why this place exists. Why has God protected it? Because it sinks with his heart. This is a place where people hear the word of God in a safe, friendly, fun environment. This is a place where people, boys and girls and adults, enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once we know him, then we live this story. Who do you identify this with in this story? Do you identify with Ruth? Are you seeing him draw you to himself? Not perfect people who invited you here. Naomi wasn't even sure she believed. But Ruth saw something that even Naomi didn't see about the faithfulness of Naomi's God. That's pretty encouraging to those of us who don't always perfectly represent him. You identify with Naomi I mean, has this been a hard couple of years for you? I've heard some of your stories this week. There's a bunch of heartbreaks going on in this room. A lot of you have been really thanking me for letting you experience this story in a fresh way. Because God can simultaneously draw a Ruth to himself and restore the faith of a Naomi in the very same series of events. And whether you're a man or a woman... Maybe, maybe God's saying you need to be a Boaz. You need to be a Boaz. 
You need to open up your mind to people who may not be exactly like you. They're not outside the reach of Jesus Christ. His arms are big enough. His wings are big enough. He would like to bring them under his eternal protective care too. To be able to look past labels and see individuals. To take the resources you have, maybe that's finances, maybe that's time, maybe that's a skill set, maybe that's that's a natural friendliness that God has built into you. Who knows what it is? But you would let God leverage those things to help welcome others into his family, to help restore those who are going through a terrible time of grief. There's something in here for each of us. So as we pray and wrap up this series, will you just ask God, which one of these characters do I need to be thinking about as I drive home? What's your calling on my life right now? Because he didn't just bring you here just for fun this week, and he didn't even just bring you here to hear a speaker. And yeah, the guy was pretty good. He was even kind of funny occasionally. Not as funny as he thought he was, but he was pretty funny. He brought you here because he wanted you to hear this teaching right now. And even though we shipped the wrong workbooks, I I knew I wasn't supposed to veer from teaching this because this is the message for our culture right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you did in Ruth's life. Thank you that she was willing to walk away from that which she had been raised to trust in and go, wow, there really is one true God. I want to follow him. Thank you for Naomi that in the midst of her grief, when she wasn't even sure, maybe even that you existed and certainly whether or not you cared about her, you restored her trust in you. And Lord, thank you for Boaz. Thank you for his overseer. We don't even know his name. But they both realized you are a whole lot bigger than just their people. And Lord, there's nobody who's outside the concern, the scope of your love. And they got to be a part of the story. Lord, how amazing that David descended from the results of this story, and ultimately Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, and for many of us, probably most of us, our Savior and our Lord. God, thank you that this is not just a book of something that happened back then, but this is your plan right now for each of us. And I pray that we'll get it off the page and into our lives And we'll have stories to tell based on this book and how we got to live it out all over again next time we see each other. We pray in the name of Jesus, that promised Messiah who really did come and really did die for us. Amen. Thank you, friends. This has been been so good. Thank you.